As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. back to another episode of scary stories and we are getting right back into our campfire stories it's been a minute but we decided we were going to bring back one of our very special guests from last season uh rich rich come come on down (laughs) big richard had him from the west coast everybody he's known for being from los angeles well, for a second there, I thought we were just going to use the one name because I'm trying to get that going. Oh, Rich? Just Rich. Oh. Just Rich. I don't think people should need more information than that. <laughs> oh, Richard, get out of here. I mean, okay, Richard, our friend who wrote the Mothman prophecies, now they'll know who you are. So, <laughs> I mean, is, right. is, let, let's let's talk about that real fast, Richard, since we're, this is kind of free form here. It does, does writing the Mothman pof- prophecies... The Mothman Papa. I'm taking something <laughs> off the Mothman's smoking stick here. Uh, does writing something like the Mothman Prophecies film, does that give you like permanent cred in the cryptid community? It totally does, right? It gives me permanent cred in the cryptid community for sure. And the and 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 also the UFO community, if you want mm-hmm. to consider that writ large community. Yeah. Right. And um, and it's given me, you know, it's given me decent cred just in my own industry because that movie was not a hit, but it was. But the people, it is. It's and it's not quite a cult film, but it is a beloved film by enough people and a well-respected film by enough people that you know, twenty years later, yeah, people are like, oh yeah, yeah, that movie, yeah, that's really cool. And there are people who are just discovering it now. So that's kind of nice. It's not a movie where I'm like, sorry, I wrote this. So, okay. So question. (laughs) Now, this is the fun question. As someone who has permanent cred in the cryptozoology, UFO, paranormal uh, sphere, what, like, 
what is the craziest thing that that's gotten you? Like the craziest thing, like you're like pinching yourself. Oh, well, well, probably nothing that crazy. You know, it's weird when, when the movie was, when I was writing it and it was being filmed and it was, you know, we, we were aware that it was coming out. I say we, I'm referring to myself and John Keel, the author of the book, The Mothman Prophecies. Uh, I, you know, I, optioned the material from him i wrote a screenplay using his book as source material and and he was no one was more surprised than him when a movie actually got made because this was not something that was going on in his career but anyway he told me right before the movie came out he's like well get ready for the crazies and i'm like what He's like, yeah. He's like, he's like, oh yeah. He's like, believe me, they've been following me around for 25 years. Now they can follow you around. And I'm like, oh my God, what are you talking about? Really? Like I'm going to have people, but then it never happened. Thank God. So the, the crazies have not. Would you know me, if mean, it did though? Well, I assume at the, in the final moments of my life, I will. <laughs> Fair assumption. Fair assumption. This is how I die. <laughs> Killed by a Mothman Prophecies fan. God damn it. I mean, you did have John Keel over at your house and he signed all of your books. That's pretty awesome, right? Yeah, that was great. That was, I mean, that for me, you know, it's the equivalent, you know, for some people it would be Michael Jordan. For other mm-hmm. people it would be, you know, Mick Jagger or, yeah. For, for for me it was John Keel. It's like, oh my God. You know? Do you know who it is really? for me? Lorne Coleman. Uh, okay. <laughs> See? Sure. See? Sure. I See? totally get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but you've got a shot at Lauren Coleman. I mean, you could. Do absolutely we? I've never heard back from Lauren Coleman. <laughs> Are you, you know serious? who? You know who else would be cool? You know who else would be cool and hasn't gotten back to us? Tim White, oh. host of Sightings, the person who I pay homage to at the oh. end of every episode of this show. I've emailed him at his wow. like, uh, like his faculty emailed like two or three times. I never heard back from him. It was super disappointing. I mean, I t- hey, if it never got to him, it never got to him. But it was just one of those things, like. I didn't think the the net was that far, right? Well, especially when you're walking around with Jonathan Frakes in your pocket. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I always, you know, I always kind of forget about that, Jess. It, really? No, I'm not forgetting. How do you forget about that? It's less forget, but like, it's still crazy because I remember it was early on in the pandemic and I remember, I remember the phone call I made to you, Jess. I walked into kind of the, the room that used to be the one where my wife would get ready before she went to work. And now it's just kind of the room where we hang out because she works from home. And I remember going in there and calling you and being like, Jess, so I got an email back from Jonathan Frakes's people. And he said, yes. And you were like, no fucking way. And I was like, yeah, I don't believe it either, but okay. It's still, I mean, it's still crazy to me because it was, it was as much fun as I think we both thought it would. Uh huh. Yeah, he it was. was. I mean, he it, was so into it. Yeah, he he was. I mean, you can you can tell that he's just like, yeah, I totally am down for doing any of these appearances. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, um, Richard, the the whole thing about the the crazies. You've never had to deal with any crazies. No, no. Really? Except for you. Fair. Got you there. Fair. But to be fair, Richard, I will point out um, the person who reached out to us was you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Who is the crazies? Uh, uh, The crazies. Sir, sir, sir. I think we know who the crazies might be. It's a guy who dresses up like Kolchak. Who's the crazy here? Come on, Richard. Don't give me a hard time. <laughs> that that is that is weird because I remember I remember I was in the parking structure of my doctor's office 
And for some reason, I got back into my car and and started up a podcast. And it was like, other podcasts you might like. And I'm like, what is this? And I started scrolling through. And then it was like the Shack tapes. And I'm like, what? There's a Shack <laughs> podcast? Oh, my God. And then I started listening. And after the first one, I'm like, oh, I got to get in touch with these guys. I got to do this. <laughs> The he one reached time out. the algorithm worked. I know. <laughs> he reached he reached out to us on Twitter and we were like, hey, uh, we'll hit you up in the DMs. And that was it. That was what, like five years, four years ago yeah. now? Something like that? It couldn't have been. I think it was 2017. 2017 or 18. Yeah. I would just have to go look yeah, at my Twitter messages. Find out. Yeah. yeah, we so, can find out. But yeah, it was, you know, since then it's been 10,000 uh, podcasts. But, you know. I, yeah. <laughs> So, Richard, I, I, since we kind of don't have a, a topic strictly to, to talk about here, I want to bring up something. And Jess, I know we've talked about talking about it before. Maybe we could use this as kind of a mini episode along with a campfire story about it. But you actually mentioned it last time, Richard, um, showing how crazy my memory can be for random shit. Let's talk a little bit about missing 411. <laughs> Oof. Oof is right. You remember you you brought it up last time. Yeah, well, because I'd heard so much about it. And, and I, you know, I don't know if the people on your show are, are familiar with what we're talking about, but this is a series of books written by a guy, David, I think his last name is Politis or Politis. 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 Okay. And I, he, you know, he's worked in national parks. He's worked with the Forest Service, I believe. Uh, had had some theories about Bigfoot, but then, but then, found himself writing about uh, people who went missing in national parks. And and it's one of those things. You know, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, uh, I think it was uh, David Foster Wallace wrote. No, no, it was not him. Somebody wrote about years ago, wrote about the phenomenon of people who go missing off of cruise ships. Okay. Mm. And apparently that was a whole thing that no one knew about, except people within the cruise ship industry are like, oh yeah, no. Like people. Yeah. People fall overboard all the time. <laughs> they fall, they jump. I mean, all kinds of, you right. know, and, and then, and then just, you they know, go through the knows. Bermuda triangle. I would, I would not <laughs> count that out. Um, it's all gas but, under the but, water, isn't it? Isn't that what they say about the Bermuda Triangle? Some gas yeah, under the water. One of the theories, yeah. yeah. I have not heard that theory, but okay. It's yeah. nitrogen. Nitrogen bubbles under the water, caught, like create a nitrogen-rich environment. I think that causes engines to stop working, and so the planes that have disappeared essentially because an engine requires oxygen uh, because it's a combustion engine. When it hits, when nitrogen, it just sputters it and stops it, and the planes just crash. Hmm. It was a discovery right. thing like a very long time ago, but like, I don't know. Continue with Missing 411 because it's it's actually interesting. The Bermuda Triangle feels kind of oh, old news. Well, you know, I was just going to say, uh, so he was uh, he started writing about people who went who went missing um, in national parks. And then uh, and, and then it and then it sort of went from there and and, and how when people were found they were found under very strange circumstances and that it was the the whole phenomenon was a lot stranger than you might assume even though it's strange and eerie to begin with going missing in a in a national park is terrifying so there was a point where these books were very hard to find maybe they still are but but uh my wife susan finally tracked down a full brand new set several hundred dollars and got it for me for my birthday or father's day a few years ago and i was like oh my god this is so great and I got them and I 
took down the first one and I started reading it and I got four pages in and I put it back and I told, and I was like, I will never read any of these because <laughs> I, it never, it never occurred to me that, oh, this is a real B about something that absolutely happened to me. C, totally nightmarish and terrifying. I don't like the outdoors. I am not a fan of-, of like Wait, 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 wait. This is shocking news to me. It is. I mean, <laughs> no, it's no, it's not. <laughs> Richard, Richard, you're not, okay, Richard, like- You look, only you're... like the outdoors if it's Joshua Tree. Yeah. No, no I not even like that? Specifically, I know, Joshua, please. Outdoors to me would be like maybe a patio of a restaurant in uh, LA or New York or, you know, but- uh, The rugged outdoors. I like, I love you to death, Richard. I tell you this every time. Like I didn't know what to expect being friends with someone in the industry and like meeting someone who lives in LA. And like, I, I love you because you, you aren't the way I expected people to be. <laughs> Until you say uh, something like that. Like <laughs> Until you say something like that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. I love you to death. I don't like the, I don't like the outdoors and I'm like, oh this I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I have children and I'm like, this is a little too like this could happen. This is like reading six books about people dying in car accidents. It's like Oh no! I can't read this. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> so I, I, I'll need. I, I just want to hear. I want to hear the stories, but I, I can't sit there and take it all in and just consume it, even if it's actually Bigfoot that did, did it all. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm well, you know, I'm, I am Bigfoot curious. What uh, <laughs> aren't we all? Aren't we all, uh, Jess? What, what are your what is what's kind of your take on missing four one one? I when it feels like I haven't we haven't really heard from Jess yet. Yeah, uh, missing four one one. I mean, it's as with any of these kind of cryptid documentaries. I, I, I guess I'm speaking more on the documentary more so the the book versions because I'm more familiar with the series. Um, but. <sighs> I, it's hard for me, and we talked about this on the Skinwalker episode, I have a really hard time with these real-life shows like this that are just so cheesy at points. Um, I mean, hey, look, we all know that national parks are dangerous places. <laughs> like, I mean, you can watch any amount of true crime, anybody on YouTube, any true crime television show, anything, and about three out of five murders or disappearances are going to have occurred somewhere in a national park be it yellowstone be it you know wherever um i mean this it is an entertaining series i come down on it as like as what's happening is sort of you know it's it's probably a a lot of people who wanted to disappear and did you know on the little side of things little blame in the victim (laughs) (laughs) if there's no body there's no murder Um, That's script writing but, 101, isn't it? <laughs> no body. No body, no, no, murder. no murder. No body, no body, no death. Character can come back for season two. Exactly. No woman, no cry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I like, as a kid, I really did not like the outdoors at all. As an adult, it's something that I'm like, I'm like, I can be picky and choosy about the outdoor activities i actually want to participate in um but yeah hiking major national parks probably not really one that i'm uh, keen on doing anytime soon so but in these books chris is he and and jess if you guys know is he positing that it's 
mostly supernatural or like does he have an overall theory of all this it kind of takes a hard left yeah into it like we start out pretty like true crime based like all of these disappearance statistics about disappearances and deaths and da 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 and then it just kind of a few episodes later takes a hard right into and now bigfoot yeah (laughs) look i haven't read the books richard because they're impossible to find for a, a, a decent price. But right. like like Jess said, I mean, in these movies, um, they postulate, I don't think they really That's postulate much of anything until the end where it's like, and it just, it's Bigfoot. It's like, and yeah. it's Bigfoot. They don't even, like Dave Politis in the first movie, it's just talking about these stories about like a small kid who goes missing and then kind of a, an older kid who goes missing. And then they talk about this camp, I think, Jess, correct me if I'm wrong, up in either Oregon or Washington. Or is it Northern Oregon, California? It's somewhere the- Pacific Northwest, we'll just say. And this camp yeah. that they go to is in a national park and it's technically an illegal camp. And when they were going to this camp every summer, they would essentially Bigfoots would be on the other side of the ravine from them hooting and hollering and throwing rocks and stuff. And like this story, this story comes out of nowhere in this documentary because up until this point, it's just been about disappearances. And then all of a sudden it's about Bigfoot. Right. And look, as a, as someone who loves Bigfoot, Bigfoot is my cryptid of choice. Uh, it, it was just kind of strange because when you talk about Bigfoot, you kind of have to set the expectation that it's going to be Bigfoot. And this version of this Bigfoot, I guess, theory that they're positing is so, I don't know about you guys, but it seems a lot more nefarious than I would even give Bigfoot credit for. But then again, there is this part of me that worries about Bigfoot actually just being some sort of it's a wild animal and like if it's a wild animal as big as they say it could kill you pretty easily right but if it's a well, wild animal then we're operating on the fact that it's an animal and is not thinking to hide the body <laughs> but it would it would just it would just eat you and take you back to its entirely den like bones and all everything clothes well that's the that's the thing i mean it, it could be a wild animal or it could be wild a wilder version of us, which means it still has some cognitive abilities. And right. that's the scary part. Well, it right. gets scarier because because there's a there's a lot of people who talk about the more supernatural aspects of Bigfoot. Oh yeah. And and how often Bigfoot's kinds of creatures are witnessed in the same area or at the exact same time as UFOs and yeah. aliens. So, and what happens is like, like these are sort of, again, different camps, like people who investigate and, and, and you know, are, are obsessed with the UFO question right. are, are kind of a separate thing from people who are Bigfoot hunters and they are separate from ghost hunters. Right. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of overlay. And yet if you stand back, those Venn diagrams start to drift together. And what would happen is like the, the uh, UFO people would investigate a sighting or an encounter with a UFO and, and the occupants. And and they would question people and they'd get the whole story. But at a certain point, the, if the person said, but the weirdest part was like right before it or right after or right around in there in that same area, Bigfoot. And the UFO reporter would be like, uh, you know, okay, well, I'm not really interested in Bigfoot, so I'm just going to report the UFO part. Mm-hmm. And then the Bigfoot people were doing the same thing. They, w- they would just only talk about the sighting of Bigfoot, but they wouldn't talk about the fact that, well, but we did that same night, there were weird lights in the sky. Oh, that's UFO stuff. We're not interested. So 
for a long time, the stories that were reported made these seem like two separate things. But there were a few people like Stan Gordon who did not make those distinctions and would report the stories in their entirety. And in Pennsylvania back in the 70s, there was a huge flap of activity where lights in the sky, UFOs, UFO occupants, and Bigfoot were all at the same time, the same place, and in the same stories. And he was one of the few people doing it. He was considered uh, a a nut even among people who are considered nuts themselves. Until now, now there's a lot more talk about, you know what, all this stuff is this, you know, Skinwalker Ranch tells us. These Mm -hmm. are all coming through. They're coming through the same portal, you know? So yeah, it gets talked about more. Books are now being written. Hellier. I mean, Hellier is also a proponent of that, right? Isn't that what Greg Newkirk posits at the beginning of the show? He says Uh, the Bigfooters. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The Bigfoot (laughs) people and the UFO people were telling their own in their own circles. But what if it's an overlap? He says that at the beginning of the show. I'm pretty sure. Okay, so that posits the question of like, what if aliens are responsible for like all cryptids? Yeah. Like, what what if that's an experiment they've been playing on, like, people for so long? Well, I mean, that's interesting. And that's and that, hey, for all I know, that's that's exactly what's happening. But but it it also implies a supremacy where the aliens are like employing Bigfoot because it it feels that way. It feels like, well, Bigfoot's sort of like, you know a brute and the, the, you know, right. The aliens are, you know, the brain and Bigfoot's pinky, you know, it's like, you know, there's who knows who's in charge of what, or if, or what role, here's the weird part. Some of the David Polites things, like someone will go missing and then they show up and <clears throat> they're disoriented. There's been missing time. Their clothes are on. Yeah, back yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody, which is exactly what happens in alien abductions. So it's like, right. wait a second now. So is all of this like suddenly clumping together for some reasons we don't understand? Well, here, what I don't know is, and to your point, I think what it is, is you, like you said, it's it's this idea of taking a step back. And the like at some point you take a step back too far and the picture becomes too blurry to see. And you, I mean, because you could get, you could go so far back and this be like, well, it's God and some sort of, you know, you could go that far back, but we're not going that far back. We're trying to stay within reason, trying to connect these seemingly disparate things. I think for me with Bigfoot and the UFOs, I think it's, I I don't, I like the, like all, like the alternate universe Uh idea. Like there's like some sort of rift. There's just another world that's just whoop. They just pop in yeah, and then yeah. like, like a place like Skinwalker Ranch is like a, a convergence area. Yeah. And like Richard was talking about, some of these people that show back up disheveled and loss of time, like what if they just happen to walk just into an into alternate a universe? Time zone. I, I mean, time zone, why, why, <laughs> yeah, why is, I mean, that's not impossible, right? I mean, nothing is well, impossible. impossible. Really? But. Oh, jinx. <laughs> but here, I mean... It would, you know, something like that, you know, a universe, an alternate universe, parallel universe theory, or a theory in that, like, all cryptids are are aliens. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of some kind. Or ghosts, you know, even. Right. Or, yeah. I mean, they could, I mean, it might not even be that, like, UFOs are the ones controlling them. Maybe the UFOs are simply just what they are, and they're just flying them here and being like, whoop, there you go. <laughs> well, what it does is it, 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 it fucks with two, two sort of, you know, traditional modes of thought, the extraterrestrial hypothesis, which is that aliens are literal, um, you know, uh, extraterrestrial biological entities ebes mm-hmm. and they are flying here in nuts and bolts craft that that are physical always physical can crash they are the occupants we can communicate with them touch them and, and that's that's the the extraterrestrial hypothesis of ufos and then the and then the uh flesh and blood creature theory of bigfoot which is Yes, it would. It will be possible one day to have a Bigfoot body. Um, these two things argue that these are separate phenomena. But if you posit that UFOs are not nuts and bolts crafts, they're traveling interdimensionally. Mm-hmm. They're only temporarily material, and even then, they're material in ways that we don't understand. And if you also posit that Bigfoot is a supernatural creature, and that's why we're it's physical enough to leave some footprints, but it, mm-hmm. it, it you will never wrap your arms around one unless it wraps its arms around you, and right. And you won't be able to find it. It's it's sort of like yeah, and 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 I, like that for some reason I can accept the ghost mm-hmm. thing. I'm like no, the ghost thing is separate, but not according to Whitley Strieber, who wrote Communion, mm-hmm. and nice. what he and his he and his wife discovered that when when he wrote that book and they started getting letters, his wife said, "I've been going through these letters, and you know what I think." And Whitley's like, what? She thinks, I think UFOs have something to do with what happens after we die. Because so many of these letters that we're getting, people are reporting seeing dead loved ones in association with the UFO, inside the craft, near the craft, before, after. (laughs) That that phenomenon was being associated, and no one talks about that. I mean, no one. Interesting. That's very interesting. I, I yeah, I'm, I don't, I've not really heard anything in regard to that. There's a reason I have a first edition copy of this book, Richard. This book is in, this book is insane. <laughs> this book is if you've never read this, this book is mind blowing mm-hmm. because of it's the go, because of the ghost stuff. Yeah, and just and he's a great writer, and his experience was really very dramatic. So, have yeah, you ever talked to him? It's a great book. No, I haven't. And my understanding is that he's right here in LA. I think he's just living in an apartment in Santa Monica. And by the way, you know who has Mike White? No, who? Yeah, Mike White. Oh, is it Mike White? Oh, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, how how did Mike White end up? He did an episode on Communion. Okay, that's yeah. I, I, I'm gonna have to go look that one up. Um, yeah. The the to all of those who think that. Um, 
oh, people lie about seeing UFOs to cash in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many it's rich UFO the, like none, people? Zero. Yeah. The ones who oh, have TV way, shows and even those. I mean, there aren't even UFO TV shows. There's ghosts, no. but there's no UFOs. There's ancient aliens. I guess that's Nicky Strieber had written a number of bestsellers that that were made into movies. Then he wrote Communion, which was arguably his bestseller, and then and he wrote many sequels. But he is not a rich man. He cannot get published now, even in the UFO world. Um, he is not roll, you know, owning houses. All it's like he's living in a fucking apartment in Santa Monica. He is not a rich man. That and he's probably the richest man who has ever gotten rich by writing about a UFO encounter. The notion that people are just boy, that's the ticket to wealth. I've never yeah. I mean we we talked we've talked about that before, Jess, this idea that you know, we talked about it with uh, Kelly Hopkinsville, Richard. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if you you listened to that episode or not, but we spoke with the woman whose family was involved. I mean, these are her like you know grandparents uh, and her parents, and right, they're not rich. They're, I mean, they're, no, I mean, not not not, not 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 rich in the sense that like they're not millionaires is what I mean. Well, like, I mean, you know, she's a super, super nice, yeah, super nice woman. She's very invested in the story. She puts on the Kelly Hopkinsville days every year. It's awesome. She has an Etsy store. She's a, a great person. We're friends on Facebook. She's mm-hmm. super awesome. But she's not a multimillionaire. I was just going to say it's a totally disingenuous argument from the skeptical side as a way of sort of very quickly dismissing and calling into question the motives right. of anyone who reports anything. Well, they're cashing in. Oh, sure, they're going to get that. You know, every, everyone's looking to make a quick buck. Show me the quick buck. Show me well, all exactly. the making when, quick bucks. When was the last time anyone took like you know peop- these these stories seriously from anyone? Not for decades. <laughs> Most of the time, it's like local kook finds local weird thing. Local coot more at nine, and it's like. Right. What the actual, well, it's, I mean, you know, look what happened. I mean, the reason it's reception is that way is because for the longest time, there's been suppression in some form or fashion. I mean, look at what happened with Roswell. Right. I mean, the the media also has a vested interest in not telling these stories because the more people that hear these kinds of stories, the more people will question these kinds of things. I'm not saying that the government's involved. I'm just saying, like, there is a need to not ruffle people's feathers because talking about these kinds of things... Richard, to your point, I mean, you have these tracks and then you have where does someone's religion come in here? And, and you know, yeah. that starts to shape their thoughts and ideas as well. And you don't want to upset people that much because some people, if they were to really sit down and think about this outside of, you know, oh, I watched A Fire in the Sky on HBO in 1996 <laughs> right. or whatever. They would, I mean, they would have a hard time comprehending some of these things might actually exist and they may not only exist but challenge your preconceived notions and your accepted beliefs of how the universe works and that's that's a lot it's a lot these it's, right. it's a these, lot yeah it, it, these things are very hard to talk about in 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 any way other than you're, you're either you know typically the the conversation is aliens are real no they're not bigfoot's real you're crazy it's really difficult to talk about things like this, um, you know, without black and white, to, without black and white. And then, and then what, what most people do and what we're, you know, a lot of what you guys do and what I do is just sort of talk about them as stories mm-hmm. and, and stories of things that, that, that have happened to people and, 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 
stories that make you think about what what might really be the nature of our reality. But once you start talking about the nature of reality, man, those are those are hard conversations, even among people who spend their entire lives. And 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 at a certain point, you're just like, okay, I I don't even know. We don't we're, we we even have the words to discuss it because what this stuff probably really is is so far removed from our daily reality that it wouldn't it almost wouldn't even be worth trying to talk about right I mean, isn't that the whole idea behind uh, the anything that hp lovecraft wrote is the idea of like unlocking that knowledge drives you mad like looking into <laughs> looking does. into that void drives you mad isn't that what the whole cthulhu mythos is about you're confronted with this cosmic horror or in this case cosmic idea and you, your brain cannot comprehend it, and it literally drives you into the edge of madness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sort of true. I mean, like, like the, 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 people understand that. They, they understand, you know, it's like, oh, this is mind blowing. It's mm-hmm. like it's going to blow your mind. Meaning, your your conception of a particular thing is this, and then th- it's going to change that, and it could be whatever. But if you're talking about your conception of reality and your mind gets blown. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty big. And yet it does happen to people. I mean, people who have abduction experiences, people who have near death experiences, their minds are blown. I mean, they come back and they're different people. Some for the good, some for the bad aliens for the bad near death experiences, typically for the good. Mm -hmm. Why do you say bad for the aliens? I don't think anybody's Um, really, I mean, well, okay. There, there are very few people who've come back and been like, my alien abduction was awesome. <laughs> okay, I, okay. If if you're okay, I now I understand what you mean. Got it. Got it. It was so great being taken by aliens and waking up in a cold, sterile environment. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Unless you're that guy that uh, there's a documentary about him on Amazon. I can't remember what it's called now, but he essentially he he paints pictures of this alien woman who supposedly visited him when he was a teenager several times and like throughout his 20s and it's like the love of his life basically um and he paints pictures for her waiting for her to come back yeah you've heard about that one haven't you chris nope that's like love love among the love among the cosmos is that what it's called it's not it's not screwed by the aliens richard (laughs) <laughs> no, it is not screwed by the aliens. Guy! Oh, by the way, oh, Jess, sorry, Richard sorry. and I both own a book called Screwed by the Aliens. Here's what Jess is talking about really quick. That's yeah. a great that's a great title for a book. Love in an Alien Purgatory by uh, David Huggins. David Huggins? Yeah, uh-huh. not to be confused with David Higgins. No. Oh, yeah. This is <laughs> this is the book, Jess, that Richard and I both own. Not, I didn't buy it for him. He didn't buy it for me. But I mentioned a book about alien sex, and he went and grabbed it the same time I did. Oh, what's it called? Screwed by the aliens: the sexual encounters with ETs. <laughs> okay, well, he had a sexual encounter with oh this woman God. named Crescent. This yes, is Crescent. Crescent. Okay. Now, but look at a few. There, here's some other really amazing things here. Crescent. So here is him. Here is one of his earliest encounters with a praying mantis creature. Yeah, audience, if you can see this right now, it's a child waving at a praying mantis. So these are all his own drawings, interpretations. Yes, his paintings. Yeah. Yeah. What is that, a mothman? There's a Bigfoot creature. See, like, how do we explain that? How do we explain that? If this guy is being visited by aliens and seeing Bigfoots, doesn't that... Well, I think that's something we would explain as a mental health thing. (laughs) (laughs) Jess, come on. I mean, hey. I mean, it's either he's abducted by aliens or there's a 
personality disorder. Jess, hybrids happening. now walk among us, okay? Hybrids. Now. Hybrids. Wow. You know, he lost his virginity to this alien woman and yep. had repeated sexual encounters and there was a, a babies were born. Mm-hmm. What is going on? Yeah, you can watch it on Amazon. I think it's I really, just it's, have a one, to. it's really well done. It, it just it was a it was a good uh, it was a 1-hour documentary. It was good, right? Yeah, it's a real short one, yeah. So, Richard, have you ever had any experiences? Uh, no, thank God. Nothing at all? Nor do I nor do I want to. No, I used to really want something to happen and, and then now, what you heard forest and uh forest and them at the sally house <laughs> scott and forest, yeah. scott and, forest yeah, and it scared you scared you to death it scared me straight it um I, <laughs> scared no, it me was, un was, scared me unstraight <laughs> I, I know it was one of those um uh things where the more reading i did and the, the more i was reading about uh you know uh, experiencers uh it, it became clear these were not good experiences you know, these were <laughs> these were disturbing and 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 caused lifelong trauma. Trauma. And yeah, I was just like, you know, I, you I know, I would I contend though. I would contend that that's not necessarily the case. Um, I have a I have a lead on someone, Jess, that I would never would never think I would be able to get on a podcast to talk about their experiences. Uh-huh. And I've asked him multiple times if he wanted to come on. Because he's shared these stories with me many times. Uh huh. Um, talking about my dad. Oh um, wow! Wait, my d- what? Your dad? My dad has had se- uh, several. I think one or two extraterrestrial experiences, and at least one ghost, one or two, and one Bigfoot. Yeah. Wait a second. I'm not joking. And that's awesome. why I say like I'm not. I'm. That's why I'm not entirely convinced. Of like, I, I I agree to some extent, and I think the people that go in front of the cameras want to tell their story about what happened to them. But people who have had positive experiences, it's weird. We don't hear more about them, but I don't think that they don't exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, all extraterrestrial experiences can't be bad. That's that book that you're you're like halfway balls deep in. It, that's not a negative <laughs> book. He's not negative about it, right? No, what, he's what like madly has the, the book that the book the the book that the the book that you're reading the one with the guy in the aliens. aliens. That's not a oh, negative well, book, is it? Well, no. I mean, I, I wouldn't want that guy's life. I'll tell you that much. I mean, Why not? I, it's not right. a negative book. I mean, if you if you watch it, but you're not. He's not. <laughs> there was a thing in in the 1950s, in the early 50s, in Southern California, almost exclusively, there was something known as the contactee movement. Um, I mean, known at, in retrospect, because there were a lot of individuals who claimed to be contacted by. Uh, Aliens, exterior intelligences through, you know, arriving in UFOs and various things. But they, but they did tend to be positive. They were often referred to their visitors as space brothers. And the, the relationship seemed to be one of this sort of benevolent mentorship, you know, where these aliens would go, hey, you know, we're, we're more advanced than you. But, but, you know, if you guys do the right thing on your planet, things will be okay for you, too. And we're here to bring you knowledge. And, and the contactees would spread the word in, in this sort of uh, evangelical way. And, and, and some very small, like, sort of cult-like religions would, would pop up and People would move out to the desert and um, listen to the contactees talk about, you know, the the the, the golden dawn that was about to come. Oh, like um, uh, Sun Ra and stuff like that. 
Did yeah. Bo yeah. Peep space is the place, man? No, but see, well, I mean, there you go. You bring up Bo Peep, and it's like those people killed themselves. That's not. Yeah. But 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 what were they? But they didn't believe it wasn't a Jonestown situation. It is intrinsically linked to the UFO phenomenon. They believe that their spaceship was on Hailbuck. Okay, right? but have you watched the documentary about that? No, that I couldn't. I couldn't make it through the first episode. It was real bad. Really? Yeah, All I know. Right, well. It's not weird. I mean, I, I watched the whole thing, and I mean, like, clearly, I mean, obviously, this man had a lot of internal self-hate. <laughs> Self-hating gay man. That's a new one. That made him try to find something to believe in. So I don't know that this is necessarily the best Fair. Fair. <laughs> he sounds Jeffrey Dahmer adjacent. <laughs> Yeah, we he definitely had reasons and motivations that you could that you could you know find your way to con- the conclusion of UFO culture. But individual though, like individual experiences, you know, like what we're talking about, those are the ones that more often than not are, I guess, often bad. Yeah, I think if you took the you know uh, uh, as many UFO abduction experiences as you could find over the last hundred years you would the majority would would affect people in emotionally in a negative way a traumatic way and then and and but there might be like 10% that are good let's say now flip that around and look at the near death experience the overwhelming majority uh, of people who have these experiences come away and describe it as a positive experience that have, that uh, changed their life in a positive way, and it often does drastically change their lives. And this goes on for years. People have been interviewed five and ten and twenty years after their near death experience, and it is still with them and influencing their lives in a really strong way. But there's a small group of people who have negative near death experiences, where their glimpse of the afterlife oh, is, the is terrifying. Yeah. I think, I mean, again, and I, I, I do tend to fall in the thinking about it in this, in the psychological way and that people have near death experiences, like the entire idea of like surviving death to begin with probably gives them an immediately better outlook on life. Like, holy shit. Like, wow, that's a slap to the face reality. Um, it's fair. But yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, the ones who have the bad experiences, though, I mean, also that that's still a slap to the face, you know, reality check, I'm sure. But I am very, I am more interested in the bad, uh, on that side, the bad experiences, because I, like you said, they're, they're fewer than the good experiences and the good experiences are always kind of explained, you know, the same way. Right. Like I, yes, I was in a nice white light area. I saw my family and I saw my family and I saw blah, blah, blah. But I want to hear the, (laughs) I want to know what everybody else saw. (laughs) Well, there is a book called uh, Dancing Past the Dark by Nancy Evans Bush. And it is one of the only books, if not the only book, about uh, the phenomenon of negative near-death experiences. And she- I've literally never uh, heard about these, Richard. Is that not insane? I've never heard of a negative one. Yeah, no, they're, they're they're not the most common, but they do exist. They don't get talked about because people don't want to talk about. Don't want to them. talk so about. Under, sure. Well, yeah, it's they're underreported. Uh, at least that's the that's the suspicion. Theory. And um, that's the official word the on theory. it. And then and then the people who have them sort of struggle. It's like, well, does this mean that this is going to be my personal afterlife, or is there is there? It's sort of like you know a Christmas carol. It's like, well, is there is there a way around this? Like. And these are not people, these are not evil people on death row who did something wrong and then they dream of themselves in hell. It's like, 
no, we're just normal people, but why why was it so disturbing? Um, and and if you believe in one, do you not believe in the other? And is uh, are you just getting a partial glimpse of part of an experience, both good or bad? Right. Is it a bunch of brain chemicals firing at a really dramatic point in your life where you're having a death experience to begin with? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really. That's the thing about near death experiences that like I have a hard time. No pun intended, wrapping my brain around, but it's hard for me to not just think it is the neurons dying. And breaking out and processing images that you're seeing, which when you're in, like, say you're in the back of an ambulance and you're seeing really bright red flashing lights, that could be pretty misconstrued. It's like, oh, fuck, there's flight. Like, yeah, (laughs) I made a bad choice. I'm going to the wrong way. Yeah, I mean. Look, nothing would make most people happier than an explanation of that sort. It's sort of, it's sort of like, well, the alien thing, you know, people, especially are, you know, Westerners, in the Richards. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, exactly, because there's no the, it's it, our, the religion and these death. experiences are, yeah, and our aversion to death. Um, the, I think the, when you when you start looking into the alien encounter phenomenon, and when you look into the near death experience, a lot of your first assumptions get cleared away pretty quick and then you're like oh okay you know the people who have studied these things and looked into them like everyone goes into this thing doing the same thing everyone who has ever well okay the vast majority of people who have looked into near-death experiences are looking into it looking to explain it in you mean as if they as as in they as in they had it Mm mm-hmm they had it or, or or doctors who are like, well, you know, I keep hearing people report this, but let's figure out what this really is. Same thing with the aliens. I, I think, I mean, and I think even the layman is like, you know what, like in the back of their mind, they're like, okay, I have not spent a lot of time thinking about are UFOs real or aliens real, but I, I, I feel that I'm a smart person. And that if I spent, you know, six months reading, you know, a lot of the books, pro and con, I'd sort it out for myself. I'd go, okay, the pro people are insane. Just read their books. The con people are all geniuses from Caltech and they've explained it and they explained it 30 years ago. So it's all gone away. That that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, when you read these books, you, you most people who I would say are rational end up kind of in the middle. It's like, okay, the people who had the experiences aren't crazy, aren't lying. No. And the people who are trying to explain it away are haven't really studied the phenomena right. at all they've, they've committed themselves to coming to a quick explanation and okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Moving on. Yeah. Most people get stuck in the middle, and that's not a place most people are comfortable. I 
I, I, you know, I, I do tend to always fall on the side that I do believe that most of these people, people who are telling stories of abductions, near death experiences, Bigfoot, you know, name your whatever, here it is. I do think that they most, I think that there are very few people really scamming in that way. Like you had said earlier, like who's really trying yeah. to make money on it. So I well, really believe that they believe. Literally, or just, yeah. I believe that they believe what they think happened, happened. Yeah. For sure. Like that, I believe for sure. Like in their mind, what, however they interpreted what did happen, that happened to them. Like even if it's not real, does it make it re- not real to you, you know? And that would fool a lie detector test, by the way. If you yeah, believe if you, it happened, you can convince yourself of a lot of things. I mean, yeah. denial and you know, like fear and all of those like heavy, high, strong emotions can really your brain can just all right. I'm going to fire how I need to fire and rationalize this in the way I need to rationalize it. You can begin to dissociate. I mean, that's another. I mean, that's thing. how people like blackout thought or blackout memories, right? Like yeah. completely sub, just completely suppress these things, horrible things that happen to them. Not Michelle remembers. Fuck you. But <laughs> any chance, Jess, I don't blame you. No. Richard, do you know about this? No, what I miss. Michelle, Michelle remembers. It's a website or a website. Holy crap. Wow. Oh, an episode we did. Last It'd be a year. website. It would be a website if it happened today or about, a podcast. Probably about this book that came out in what was it? The 80s, mid 80s, mid 80s called Michelle Remembers. That was this supposed true account written by this uh, psychiatrist and their, his patient, Michelle. And he basically found out and rustled up all these suppressed memories of her childhood and where she was raised by cultists and experienced cannibalism and was like, had like the the birth of Satan. Yeah, my background went out. <laughs> that was real yeah. good there for a second. I was like, damn, holy shit. Satan got to her, guys. Starts. <laughs> <laughs> Satan got to her, guys. Get really tired of me dissing that book. <laughs> But I said, I, it's complete. It's complete bullshit, Richard. Like it. it I mean, yeah. it's 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 one hundred percent. It was that example of a story concocted for financial make, gain, uh, right? However, they what? did not intend the consequences of it, which was the kind of tome that all of these satanic panic po- pokes, folks, cow pokes, uh, pointed at as like, see, it happened here. It could be happening with us. And that's, you know, you have that kindergarten or, or uh, what is it, elementary school, Richard? You know what I'm talking about? Jess, you too. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it. But, but, but that's, a, that's a great example of, of a thing that occurred and surfaced in popular culture that was then investigated by rational people and found to be bullshit. You except know? except all the West Memphis it. Three and all these other people, like, they went to jail because of stuff like Michelle Remembers. Well, well, yeah, I, I mean, okay, but the but problem is, is when it's a specific case, right? You, 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 okay, there are yes, there are people in our country, mostly in the South, who believe in Satanists and believe that Satanists are hiding in the woods. Still believe it. Well, I mean, I believe that 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 babies and 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 that you know the the the, the Clintons are having satanic rituals and drinking the blood of children. And it's adrenochrome. It Get it right. Come on, man. I don't, I don't. I've spent zero time listening to this idiocy. But, <laughs> but but it's a good. But but 
it, again, it's a good example of there are hoaxes and then there are things. And, and, and the more thoughtful investigators are very aware of this. They're very aware of, of the dangers of hypnotic regression. There, there is within the UFO community, what I would call the legit UFO community, there's a ton of skepticism about information that is culled uh, solely through hypnotic regression because it is so easy for those things to be created, for them to be led in certain ways, even unconsciously by the hypnotist. So, so it, even among crazy UFO people, they take hypnotic regression and go, yeah, but you got to sort of set that stuff aside and you've got to take even, even lie detector stuff and set that aside and, and try to figure out what's going on with the witness. You know, look at their lives, look at what they're saying. Is it correlating with stories other people have told? Could, could, you know, is it just a conspiracy of a bunch of people pulling a prank on the rest of humanity? Well, it, but it isn't. Like, that would be great. It would be great to find that out. The Amityville horror has largely been thoroughly and easily debunked, okay? Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and yes, it became very famous, and that book was a bestseller. But there have not been hundreds of bestsellers on the level of Amityville horror that have been revealed to be totally made up. And there have been many stories of people who have experienced poltergeist, you know, phenomenon in their homes that have been very well researched and stand up to scrutiny, but have been lumped in with Amityville. Oh, it's the next Amityville, right? Oh, things move around. Fuck you. You're all which crazy. is which is literally what the money. Sally House was in the 90s. That's literally what it was. Yeah. I mean, that uh, on sightings, I mean, they had a that that was like the the fucking crazy thing, Richard. Um, and this was kind of like the first thing where we where you and I bonded over the paranormal and stuff was the Sally House. And <laughs> I, I was scared you went to the Sally House. I know uh, I was Out scared. I was scared shitless of sightings as a kid. I remember that show being on and being mortified because of the Sally House segments, because I remember the thing about the scratches and all that. And I, you know, the fact that last year I went there the weekend before the pandemic started, my wife jokes about it. She jokes about it to this day. She'll still make a joke. If she came in here right now and I brought up the Sally house, she would go, oh, you mean the weekend where we went to the Sally house and cursed the rest of the fucking world because of our stupidity? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, you know, I don't think it's as cosmic as that, well, but like, you know, Richard, I mean, remember what happened, Richard? I mean, we brought some bad juju on ourselves. We totally did. I FaceTimed Richard from inside the Sally house as I was walking inside. Right. That's not a <laughs> that's not smart. Well, yeah, well, especially because on you uh, uh, taking pictures right off the bat. <laughs> Jess, I don't know if you know, like the, the, the backstory to it, but he, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm on the Astonishing Legends yeah. podcast. Uh and 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 Scott and Forrest, the hosts of that podcast, had done a whole thing where they had gone down there, and one of them had a pretty dramatic experience that they were not expecting to have. Oh, it's and, Richard! And you're, it really Richard, you're him. under so, you're underselling it so well, much. You know, audience, go listen to it. Yes, you know, seriously, go listen here, to it. You know, but then, but 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 Chris listened to it and then went to the Sally house. That's, that's <laughs> it's only a, it's only a two and a half hour drive from here. Richard, I mean, look, if you I, lived I this close, you would go to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would not. I, I mean, 
No, you're fine. I was just gonna say, like, I've been to haunted places. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, aren't you right down the street from um, what's the what's the place that you're right down the street from? I'm right down the street from Jeffrey Dahmer's house. Well, that I know that we've seen that. Um, no, no, the the penitentiary, well, no, the the. Oh, Shosh- well, it's uh, it's the place where Shawshank was filmed on the outside, uh, Mansfield Reformatory. That place is pretty haunted, right? Yeah. So, Richard, sure tell is. Us. Yes. Tell us. Richard. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, the idea of like hearing that someplace is super haunted and immediately going when I was it's slightly different, though. But but mm-hmm. when I was in high school, OK, when I was 15, mm-hmm. uh, um, my my friend uh, Fred Quintrell uh, went up to Rick's uh, Burger Place, you know, which was near our high school and uh, got a cheeseburger and got food poisoning so bad he started hallucinating and they rushed him to the emergency room and he spent two days in intensive care. Wow. Um, so he, he survived, but, but Don't need when, my friend, when my friend Larry and I heard about that, the first thing we did was go to Rick's and eat the <laughs> exact same thing. So you could hallucinate? No, so we can prove to ourselves, A, it'd be funny that we did something so stupid, and B, it's just like, fuck it, we got to do this, let's see. Right. We it, but we were really trying to prove to ourselves that we were immortal. Right, like, I can do this, fuck it. <laughs> right. Now, now, Chris, is that what you were doing when you went to the Sally House? Is like, okay, let me see what happens to me. I'm a dying like Popeye. Come on, spirits. No, Richard, the issue is, is I'm convinced and I've been told by people that I have something awful attached to me. That, that, that's even that's even worse. That's like saying if I said, no, I had heard that I'm especially susceptible to food poisoning. That makes it even worse. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, not a medium. House. You have Why to not? see a medium and get cleansed. Yeah, thank you, Jess. You're the, that's the most sense anyone's made so far. <laughs> I mean, again, I, I it, it, for me, it was a matter of I wanted I, it was somewhere that I had always heard about. And I look, I mean, it was, okay, so you, went. you know, I mean, look, I, I don't have it on my desk. Uh, you know, my wife bought a, a purse from the gift shop in Atchison, Kansas. It was a whole weekend. It was fun. You know, it was great. And then we went to the Sally house and, not, and look, you know, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Uh, you know, and not even anything of like, I I could have pretended that something happened pretty easily. I could oh, we were in the living room in the blinds or some shit. Nothing happened. But I will tell you, going into a house that, you know, Scott and Forrest had, I mean, that fucking recording is horrifying. Come on, yeah. Richard, you know it is. I mean, yeah, I don't have to well, tell you. It's, it's, I it's, mean, the, uh, here's the thing. I heard it at two in the morning on my Bose headsets. And they're, and look, the, like, Scott and Forrest, like, I, these are two dudes I would love to have on the podcast because the way that they did that Sally House podcast was so fucking smart. They were like, we have this audio, but we're not going to play it until the last 30 seconds of the podcast. And normally most people would be like, I'm going to skip forward. Right. But they're so fucking engaging. They're so genuine. And Richard, I'm sure they are in yeah. real life. Oh, I totally. listened. That, it was like, yeah. yeah, it was two and a half hours and the last 30 seconds were the payoff. And the payoff, the payoff is so horrifying. That I listened to it well, once, twice, and then I was like, I'm going to bed. And I, I tried to sleep, and it's impossible. <laughs> when you hear it, when you hear it, and then you hear the follow-up episode, and they can't have even these old, 
you know, old codgers. And the funny thing is, as someone whose dad is dad is super into ham radio, like them going to a ham radio store cracks me up because I know the kinds of old fuddy-duddy <laughs> codgers that hang out at the local ham radio store. I've been to those stores. Listening to them go and be like, what's this? Play it. And these guys are like, what the hell? Sam Hill is that? It's like, it, it, it again, it's that reinforcement of like, this is not a joke. Like it's not a joke. Well, but you got to realize, Chris, there there were there were obviously people who made it to the end of the episode, listened to the thing, and were like, well, "That doesn't sound like anything. It just sounds like a bunch of loud static. I don't get it." Um, and that's fine. It, 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 so much is interpretation and how it affects you. I I, I think it it sort of bolsters the. Uh, the, the the experiencer effect, which is two people can walk into a haunted place and one person can have an experience and one person has nothing at all. I mean, I've I've known people who have lived in haunted houses for years, and there are members of the family that are like, this house is haunted. Things have happened to me. Things have gone missing. Things came back. Lights go on. Lights go off. Blah blah blah. And and the other member of their family is this is bullshit. None of this stuff ever happened to me. Right. And it's like, wait, what? But you were in the same fucking house. Oh, do wait, excuse me. Did lights go on and off? Well, yeah, but I mean, that could be like, I don't know, just so some lights went off, then came back on. That's wiring, right? But other people experience things in a different way. Now, uh, in any given case, one may be right, one may be wrong, but there is such a thing as when it happens to you, you know it. And until it happens to you, you don't know it and never will. You can be an armchair enthusiast and that's that's it. And I mean, there are also people out there who just don't want to believe it and will come up with and will will have any, you know, ability to rationalize it anyway. Because that's just, because yeah. at that point we get back to the idea of like, it's too much to come, you know, to consider that if this is real, then every, then all this other stuff, it's like, they just, it's like a nope. Well, wiring. <laughs> the, the skeptics, you know, skeptics will um, talk about, you know, the, um, uh, you know, the need for cognitive, well, the need for cognitive closure, but they'll also talk about like, you know, well, people who want to believe in things will find reasons to believe in things and they'll find things to believe in. Um, what, but what they don't talk about is when, when you, when you have a, a, a mindset that is, well, everything is explainable and most likely has already been explained, then you will rush to the cognitive closure of that. Well, 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 that's, mm-hmm. oh, I, I read an article once and they said it was carbon dioxide and it makes people hear voices and we're done. That's it. Oracle Whether it applies to, yeah, yeah there you go. Literally yeah. what you were that's just it. explaining, I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, well, but also, you know, there were other people who have had, you know, strange experiences in houses right. and they've come in and they've said, you have a carbon monoxide leak in your house and 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 once we fix it guess what the ghosts went away and that's <laughs> i think that's a great bit of information to have and that should be the first thing people look at mm-hmm. but i can tell you that's not a factor in every single haunted house so right to to just sort of slap it on um but on the other hand you know skeptics are right in a in in a certain philosophical way which is why do we give a shit? None of this stuff materially affects anyone's life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you know, maybe it affects you emotionally and people who believe they've been abducted by aliens, you know, should get psychological help. Okay. But it's like, so far, none of this stuff is disproving any physical laws and, and time still moves forward and we're all still living our lives. And shouldn't we place our attention more on getting a COVID vaccine and curing cancer? Mm-hmm. And of course the answer is yes. 
but that doesn't mean this other stuff doesn't happen and isn't interesting and has not been solved. I do not believe these things have been solved. And it's important. It is important. I mean, well, how so? Well, if go, I mean, look, it's important because there are unexplained things happening. I think that and and like and and someone has to ask questions, right? I mean, you have to ask questions, but it's not. But they're not earthquakes, you know. It's not like people are dying every year because of UFOs. But I do think that it it is a product of a much larger problem. And that it's important in that people need to be able to open their mind to things like this because stuff like this has also become a catch-all for like any type of, you know, any kind of thing that's considered a new age concept where, you know, like a, a, a documentary that I was working on was talking, we were talking about gong therapy and the idea that sound and frequency like really does affect your body and your mind and all of that. But People think of it as pseudoscience and laugh it off and say that's a bunch of bullshit, whatever. I think that taking topics like alien abductions and near-death experiences and psychic phenomena and all, all these other things, it's important to examine those because of the larger picture is that there is something to be said in some of this pseudoscience, cryptozoology you know, extraterrestrial phenomenon. Metaphysical. Yeah. So I I do agree with you, Chris, that it is important. I mean, is it important to a right now day-to-day physical problem? No, but it's important at a bigger, more philosophical level where we're, we're understanding people as a whole and why they believe these things and why they're affected by them, whether they happen or not, why are they so affected by it in this way? And tell me if you agree with me, Jess, Um, Mm -hmm. But I also kind of feel that almost like holistically, it it speaks to the phenomenon of a person going, I don't understand your experience. Your experience upsets me. The things Mm -hmm. you're saying threaten me in ways that I can't quite articulate. Therefore, you're a liar. It never happened. Right, right. That's been going on a lot in our culture. And we're we're, we're addressing it. And, and, and not that, that, not that, you know, seeing a ghost is the same thing as having a crime committed against you that other people are like, like, that never happened. Where's your proof? It's a cognitive dissonance thing, right? Where it's like, you see something right in front of you, but because it hits you in a certain way, that's really hard for you, you know, and whatever level it's hard for you to, to, to take in, um, you're combated with those two, like, well, what I'm seeing is happening right in front of my face, but it makes me uncomfortable on this other level and goes against everything else I believe. So I'm going to go with this one. (laughs) But those thoughts are just boom, right in your brain. I I have seen it. It, 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 I've experienced it. I've been in a room with Susan and, and she'll go, could you, do you, could you believe what that guy was doing? I'm like, what are you talking about? Did you see what he was doing, where his hands were? no what are you talking you're, you're not <laughs> you're, you're blind and i'm like oh that's crazy then 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 people talk about um flashers it's like when i have conversations with the women that i know every last one of them is like yeah guys are showing me their dicks all the time i'm like how is that possible <laughs> and on the same streets that's not possible like you've it's, never seen it I've happen never seen this so never seen guys don't do that stuff in front of other guys two days ago i finally saw it for the first time ever it, a guy uh, on a street though it was like out and he was just doing it to the world and I, I was driving down the street and i see this guy sort of hovering on the sidewalk looking a little like you know unsteady and his hands down around you know his zipper 
And I'm just sort of glancing and then I glance over and he's jacking off, like it's full of you. And I'm like, I saw it. <laughs> we call that the Sunset Boulevard handshake. It's a quarter mile from your home. It was very close to where I live. I'm like, wow. But it was clearly also an altered person. They were having trouble. They were not, you know. Right. This was this was a a, a person who was having some problems. But um, but yeah. So so thing certain things are threatening. But but you should listen to people when they say they've had an experience. It does not mm-hmm. threaten you to listen to someone and go, okay. And 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 then when you hear the billionth person tell the same story, maybe you go. Is every woman lying about Harvey Weinstein and right. their bosses in general? Or maybe we're picking up on a thing. And then I would say, is everyone telling the exact same story about UFO occupants and they're all lying? Or are we maybe picking up on a thing? Again, right. one is not as important as the other. I honestly do not. One is, I mean, they're both, one is fascinating in a scary way you know supernatural way and right. one is scary on a really that's what your life is because guys are doing that yeah that's terrible right and at a certain point you can't go they're all making this shit up so yeah you know, uh, because there's I, nothing I to be gained out of it even you know like in a just yeah. going off into that you know territorial you know weinstein territory there's nothing to be gained really when you go oh, up against somebody that's lost. powerful yeah Totally. And and speaking of going up against powerful people, Richard, have you read D.W. Pasolka's American Cosmic? Ah, I've got it on my shelf. I've not read it. So in in her book, she talks about the the kind of secret college of people that are these like people that kind of are well-respected, well-known people in industries that have had experiences that they won't come forward because if they come forward... It will cast a... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A negative light on them. Right. But they will talk about it in private and they are actively giving money and spending money to have it researched and explained. And that to me is like, it's the biggest shame of all. Because yep. if those people came forward... Like we'd be having a very different conversation. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and you hope that more people, like if 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 a handful of people come forward in a in a sort of serious, you know, non reality TV kind of way and talk about their experiences, then suddenly other people can talk about it too. And then you know, it it'd be like here's the thing: if only five percent of the people in the world had dreams at night, we'd all be talking about those people like they were nuts. Yeah, like right. do you see things when you go to sleep. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. And talk and to people that's, you've that's, never met before. That's an interesting thought experiment if you think about it that way. Yeah, yeah. And and if ninety five percent of the people in the world had had alien experiences, 
we we wouldn't even be doing a podcast because it would just be part of yeah. our understanding of the human experience. There'd be no debate. It's like, yeah, there's not most of us have either had the experience or the majority of our family has, and the weird people are the ones who haven't. So there you go. Do we know what the number is, supposedly? People who have had experiences uh, versus people who haven't? Like like what do you mean experience? Like alien experience? Yeah, aliens, just aliens. Yeah. Sure, we could probably wrestle that up. It's just I mean, weird to me to think about. Like, do you think it's a, a more or less? Do you think it's a, a majority or it's a minority? Um, I would, I would say that if, like, it, it's hard because we're looking at who reports those stories, and, and that's the that's the problem is the reporting part. Yeah. So the not the like, non-reporting um, people are the one. I mean, if D.W. Pasolka's book is to be believed, which I, you know, again, well researched, well written. If her book is to be believed, which I believe, you know, most of it, there are a large percentage. There is a percentage non non um, non extra like non outlier ish amount of people here that are not right. reporting. Like I, I would say 25 to I would say in the 25 or high 20s percentage of people have had experiences that they believe are legit, whether it's UFO, ghost precognitive dream that right. sort of thing um and, and then i'd say maybe half of those people talk about them or would answer a survey in a honest way so then the, the numbers come out to be less than 20 percent and you know more like i don't know 15 percent. it's it's a it's it's a minority but but we still talk it's like we talk about it because it's interesting and i think instinctually we many people do sort of believe it based mm-hmm. on the one degree of separation it's like well my grandmother used to always know when you know someone was going to die or something so there's a part of us that believes it but then there's that other part of us that since it doesn't directly affect us are just sort of like oh yeah it probably happens but so what yeah. You know, I, you know, again, as someone who had an experience recently that I can't explain, um, I've always thought about this kind of stuff. I don't even think there was a time in my life where I didn't think about it. And so it's hard for me to even contemplate, like, not thinking about this stuff in a way. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure it's been such a big part of all three of our lives that, like, I can't even comprehend not thinking about it. I mean, Richard, it's been an integral right. part of your career. Jess, you growing up, I mean, you've talked about mm-hmm. the stories that you have with your grandma and stuff like that and, you know, right. stuff with, with my family. And, I mean, like, just things that I was, you know, just shows, you know, that I was interested in and wanted mm-hmm. to watch. Like, I was always like, okay, yeah, this could be real. <laughs> I yeah. don't ever remember, you know, like, and I, I do tend to fall in. A, a skeptic kind of mindset just because like you know i do like to to get all the psychological and st- stuff out of the way before you can really 100 percent start diving into it but i still definitely believe that there's be more than just you know human beings walking around on earth right now <laughs> it's, it's mighty it's mighty bold of us to assume that we're it like we're the only consciousness out there that could exist right. Richard, I don't know if we asked this on the first podcast, but I, I want to know, you know, from where you're sitting right now, of all these things that we talked about on this episode, we've kind of covered so many bases. We've gone from missing 411 to aliens to Bigfoot to near death to everything else. Of all of them, what is what's the one thing for you that you would that if you could find out was true, what would it be? The one thing that there could be incontrovertible evidence. And I know on Astonishing Legends, you talk about the ghost in the jar, you know, but this is this is your this is your ghost in the jar. Well, I would like 
I, I mean, and I, I've, I've said this before. I, I don't, in a weird way, I don't want definitive proof because I, I enjoy the question of these things. Right. But uh, in terms of definitive proof, and and if we uh, hold to the notion that personal experience is really the gold standard for definitive proof, it kind of has to be phenomenon. Then I would say I would like to have a near death experience. Now that's that sounds crazy because it's like, wait, you want to be in some massive car accident or, you know, you want to drown it. Like, no, I don't know. But, but if I had one of these experiences and if I happen to have a near death experience, but then come through it just fine, you know, like I'm, that's, being a, wa- that's a wager. I'm not sure I'd want to make, you know, like, but if I was having surgery you to find out a ghost for a few minutes, but then came back <laughs> Because I'm a ghost, you know, and I come back and I said, okay, guys, now this is the point in my life where I I now I've found something out. I had a near death experience. Here it was. Here's how I feel. I I would prefer that one uh, against others. I'm surprised by that. I'd rather just like see Bigfoot in the (laughs) woods and be like, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. I'm surprised, Richard. That is a very. um... That's a very like. You got to be a part of that experience, really much it's part of deeply that personal. I, I want to have a go positive go hard. experience. You know, yeah. I don't. I don't want to have a negative. I had a negative near death experience. You would. I would be the saddest guy. I would just be. I'd be like, okay, what? I, I'm done. You know, I, done. I will tell you, near death experiences to me. That's like one of the weird things that like doesn't get talked about. I think as as much as it should because of the the positive connotations of it. I think the negative because ones. Because people are interested in that, right? It's like yeah. like the true crime appeal. Like oh, I don't really care about like bank robberies too much, but ooh, murder is cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the other the other I think the other problem with near death experiences is they get co opted by a certain group of folks that use it to try to prove a certain thing, and it's like. That's not what um, this is about inherently. I mean, if 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 you were religious and you had a near death experience, I feel like you're probably more likely to see what you already imagined you were going to see, anyways. Especially if it does come down to it being like it just neurons misfiring oh. because your brain is tired. Yeah, but you know what? I actually, actually, that 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 has turned out not to be true. Um, people people actually don't see what they that what what they're what they're like. You know, there have been many many. Christians who have near-death experiences that do not involve any Christian iconography at all. Uh, there have been there have been hardcore skeptic atheists who have had near-death experiences that have involved Jesus. Um, it, it 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 that that has I, actually not proven to be the case. I've heard a lot of you know and in, in, and again near-death experiences isn't something that's really like that's not my niche subject either. Although I'm interested in that book you were talking about, Richard. Um, but uh, I have heard uh, quite a few tales of like atheists and skeptics, agnostics, like really hitting it, like holy shit, like I completely just turned around yeah. because they saw yeah. something is, that that gave them that feeling. Right, and and the existence, like just the archetypal existence of uh, what you might call Christian iconography, you know, the, mm-hmm. a bright light, you know, that you might associate with, oh, that God, you know, God rays or something God like lights. that. Pearly um, gates, pearly gates, a, a gates of any sort. Just right. having there be a border. If you cross this border, you there's no coming back. A lot, a lot mm-hmm. of the iconography can can be interpreted as 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 
as Christian or religious in general, crossing over many religions. But I've always found it to be more likely that human physical beings, when we were early in mankind's history, they get knocked on the head, have a near-death experience, come back and talk about it. And this evolved into the iconography of most world religions. Mm-hmm. Not the other way around. Right. But the near-death experience, the physical experience of a near-death experience created the language that then found its way into religions all over the world. Which is insane that that's the oh, influence. Not, not if it's real. Yeah. Well, yeah, I <laughs> mean, again, real, I, it makes yeah. perfect sense. It's like, and even if it's not real, it makes perfect sense. It was clearly, like, if people are having near-death experiences now, they were having them 100 years ago. And they were oh, having, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They were probably ago. having them more. They were having them more. <laughs> 50,000 years ago. So so if it's an aspect of, even if it's hallucinatory and, and, right. and, and signifies nothing, people are dying, coming back, telling these stories. And it's like, well, that's going to influence belief in the afterlife. And right. there you are. Doesn't well, mean, and then you say, doesn't you say mean, it out loud you know, and it becomes a part of the universe. And then it's like, whoop, up there it is to go apart. Yeah. I don't think it was people sitting around a campfire going, well, we're all afraid of dying. So let's make some shit up. I think they were hearing <laughs> from people going, I, I drowned. And then you guys pulled my body out. And then as you were preparing my funeral, I revived and said, here's where I've been. Therefore, that informed And then they burned me at the stake. <laughs> right. and then, only if you're a woman. Well, fair. Let's well, they fair. burned me at the stake. <laughs> I do have a final question uh, for this campfire story uh, because we, we talked about it a bit earlier in the episode. Um, both of you, do you, are you, are you in the Bigfoot is a supernatural slash alien camp or that Bigfoot is in the terrestrial hollow earth type deal? <laughs> I, I, I used to be uh, flesh and blood Bigfoot and I am now mm-hmm. supernatural Bigfoot. Uh Supernatural Bigfoot. That's my new band. Yeah, Supernatural Bigfoot. <laughs> you know, I'd go see that band. I think the rom- <laughs> I think the romantic in me likes the romanticized idea of Bigfoot being like a human offshoot. There's, I mean, there is some so there is some romanticization so, oh, into that, right? A missing link type feel, right? I mean, there is some romanticization in that. I mean, you see these Bigfoot stories like Harry and the Henderson. Well, they're where it's always like, lonely, right? Yeah, they're like yeah, the Frank- they're like the Frankenstein exactly. monster of, 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 crypt- of cryptids. <laughs> it's very romantic, very misunderstood. Like that's a very romantic idea of Bigfoot. And I like that idea. I think that idea plays well. Um, but I, I, I agree with Richard. I think with the things that we're seeing and, you know, the, the new Kirks, as they like to put it, synchronicities. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there's I think that there is a lot of credence to this idea that ghosts and Bigfoots and aliens may be one thing. And it being that one thing, while... That's a big conclusion to jump to, Richard. Like you mm-hmm. said, there's all these different lanes and the lanes coming together is not an idea that even those lanes want to even think about. I, I think, like you said, Richard, and like you said, Jess, and to answer your mm-hmm. question, I think answering the question by saying they're all connected, if we looked at them as they were something that could all be influencing one another, I think we get more evidence that they are real mm-hmm. because we're because we've expanded the evidence. Right, pool. because it's the amount of stories that is... That that the more evidence you have is a more solid case, and mm-hmm. yeah, the more consistent ev- evidence you have, e- even better. <laughs> I, I think in my lifetime, my hope is that we get aliens or 
a ghost. I mean, Bigfoot, I think, will never be answered because I think Bigfoot is just one of those things that it's too dependent on weird coincidences and like you have to be in the right place at the right time. And I know that could be the same thing for aliens, but the Bigfoot yeah, but aliens stories happen to be looking like happen to be in more spaces than Bigfoot tends to be. And and aliens are oh. up in the sky. Oh, Bigfoots are like, a, you know, there's no Bigfoot sightings in New York City. You know, I saw a werewolf drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's sure? from a song. See, you well, say that. Now I feel like we're going to have to do way. urban Bigfoot sightings. I mean, in, up, in upstate New York, sure. But New York City, yes. you know what I mean? Like, Bigfoot sightings, <laughs> Bigfoot sightings happen in specific spaces, don't they? Did you, did you say cité? Cité. Cité. New York cité. Cité. Um, there, by the way, there are very few UFO sightings in New York cité. There are very few people being abducted off of subways. Shocking. True. It's it's under, well, at least not by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of people getting abducted on subways, but. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think. I mean, that's fair. It. That makes sense, though, right? Like you don't, you wouldn't typically want to be flying your flying saucer near very high buildings. No. Or in very heavy traveled airspaces. One of the biggest <laughs> mass sightings was what Mexico City in the nineties. Mm, That's kind of like the one, the most well-known ones. So I, I you know, I don't know, I, Richard. You know, I, I'm glad that you reached out to me and Mike on Twitter so long ago. But I think the thing that is cosmically synchronistic, synchronistic here is that you are as into these things as I am. And, you know, like, that's just a weird thing. Like, I don't know very many other people that are into this. Like, Jess and I. Like, Jess is, like, yeah. the only other person I know who's, like, as into it as I am, other than you. My nana. Well, I really feel lucky like that you... <laughs> well, yeah, and that rubbed off on you, clearly, which is the important <laughs> yeah, part. Yeah, exactly. My, my nana is a huge, like, aliens, ghosts, all yeah. of it. She loves it. She loves ancient aliens. She's all about it. She thinks it. Egypt is basically just was run by aliens back in the day, but she she's all about all this stuff all the time. Stargate. Well, I'm glad I'm glad oh, I, sure. I I got in touch with you, and I'm glad you guys have me you know as a guest on your show so we can all talk about this stuff you know because it 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 just uh, it, there's nothing more fun than than talking about this kind of thing uh, with people who take it seriously enough. Yeah. Like we're having fun here, you know, like I, yeah. this is that fun conversation. I mean, yeah, we've been talking about like for two hours just about we did not yeah. have a plan at the top of this podcast. No. And now we've like, here we are. No dead air. <laughs> and, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. Like you could turn this off and we'd be talking about the same thing. Like we're we're not doing yeah. this for we're we're not just doing this for show. Like Richard and I have had conversations when him and I, you know, when we've talked on the phone, Jess, you and I as well, like. We've talked about these things away from the podcast. If if we didn't, I would be worried. I would be worried mm -hmm. if this wasn't like an overarching, uh, you know, interest in our lives. I mean, Richard's bookshelf is full of these kinds of books. So is yours, Bam. Jess. So is mine. <laughs> I mean, you know, this isn't a this isn't a front. This, you know, if you're in this, there's no way to be halfway in this. There's really not. Like even the people that are full of shit, they're still in it. It's just they're full of shit. They believe it. They just want to make a buck off it. <laughs> exactly. We should do an episode down the line where we each bring in like our, you know, our, you know, five or 10 favorite books. Since we were sort of doing it anyway, and we can hold them up and show each other and go, okay, here are the ones. If you don't know, <laughs> these are the ones you should like, the, the, yeah. we're just recommending to each other and by extension to the audience. Yeah. yeah. And all Absolutely. of mine would just be Michelle Remembers. Submitted. <laughs> 
submitted for the Midnight <laughs> Society. Yeah, exactly. Jess owns I a copy of Michelle Remembers. <laughs> she owns a copy of it, Richard. That book is like a it's like a hundred dollar it. book. It's fucking insane. What Michelle Trash. remembers because it's so yeah. notorious. Okay. Yeah. It's like missing 411. Dude, the, like the cryptid community, uh, like the, a lot of the books in the community, man, are so hard to find. You know that owner of missing 411, you know. I know. I've got some. I've got, I'm all excited about my book collection. Uh, uh, the day I die, uh, Susan's going to take it all down to a goodwill and give it away for uh, nothing. You can put us in your oh. will and just be like, give it to the scary stories we tell crowd. We'll put it on the bookshelf for the, Rich, the Richard Haddam collection. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Ooh, scary stories we tell publishing. That's our yeah. adventure. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, Richard, that those books would have a shelf uh, place on a shelf forever. Let's just put it that way. Yay. Especially, I mean, you know, again, the 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 idea, Richard, that you you not only like this stuff, but you also have the credibility in the community is the really. I mean, again, you you know, and boy, what a, what a community to have credibility, and you really want those Mothman <laughs> believers to. To, to really take you seriously. And I, I, I really, I can, I can, they'd buy me a drink at Point Pleasant anytime. At least they're not including <laughs> in their Mothman erotica. Not yet. Oh <laughs> Richard, when, when you're not here joining us, where can people find you? Well, I'm on all of your other podcasts. And then I'm also working hard on season three of Titans. And uh, it'll be out on HBO Max in July. So uh, line yourself up some HBO Max, watch the first two seasons in their entirety and then uh get all set for season three and don't bitch it richard go well <laughs> <laughs> don't bitch it don't bitch it if you say don't bitch it richard they'll bitch it richard i mean more. they're going to anyway it's just, but anyway you the can... crazies. <laughs> yeah yeah richard exactly. where the, the real crazies weren't the ones from the uh alien the mothman world fandom. <laughs> yeah oh yeah for sure and, and and I bet the answer is, if, if I asked you, are those crazies bothering you? I guarantee you the answer is not no. So, yeah. Well, they, they look, engagement's engagement. That's what I say. Yeah, True. no, there's no such thing as bad press. Is that what they say? What about you, Jess? Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at writer Jess Byard. Pretty much everything I do goes there. If you want to hear Chris and I together on other podcasts, I am occasionally once a month at least featured on the culture cast where every month is a different theme and we're talking movies uh and you we also have another podcast called the one season show where we talk about television that lasted only one season it's true story of my life <laughs> and richard's on some of them as for me you can find me on twitter at christmas claus i changed it because richard and i and our friend uh in detroit mike white do a podcast together called rankin on bass look at that. richard is a co-host too Richard got in on the podcast game. All these fucking celebrities getting in on the podcast game. What the fuck? Y'all are stealing <laughs> our cred, man. We're just like blue collar workers. We come home from the mines and we sit down in it with our expensive recording equipment. And we come home from the mines. You're not even. even <laughs> we come home from the mines. We come home from the we mines. Don't have mines. That's West no, Virginia. we don't have mines. That's what. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like to Richard's point, uh, we do a podcast together called Rankin on Bass with our friend Mike White. As for this podcast, you can find us on the internet, Scary Stories We Tell, uh, on Twitter, Scary Stories WT, and at Scary Stories We Tell on Instagram. Big thanks, as always, to Maggie the Odd and Dustin Rutledge for the album artwork. You can find Maggie on Instagram, at Maggie the Odd, and to our good friend Alex Malnack of Blondo. He provides music for the podcast. You can find him on Spotify. Just search Blondo. And as always, no mystery is closed to an open mind. Thank you.